Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. I'm sorry, I thought there was another song. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. We'll be looking at verses 23 to 33. And if you're using the Bibles provided, you can find it on page 998. Matthew 22, verses 23 to 33. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father, all this week we have been thinking about reading your word. Wanting very much to read your word the way your son read it our Lord. And we would be having these talks in vain if we did not appeal to you for the working of your spirit in our lives, making the word to live to us, giving us a thirst for your word and then slaking that thirst with your word and doing it over and over and over again. Oh, Father, we come now to this water of life and we pray that you would quench our thirst. We hold fast to your word which says, blessed are those who thirst. Oh, Lord, so we thirst now for you. We thirst now for your word. We're like that deer by the water brook. And we ask, oh, Lord, that you would slake our thirst and give us Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, reading the Bible is difficult work, or at least it can be if we intend to do more than simply read the words on the page, but to, but to draw near to the Lord. There are many things that we have to overcome in order to read the Bible effectively. Um, the, the flesh, fatigue, time pressures from various sources, distractions, all these things that we have to surmount. Uh, clogged ears and dull hearts and even when we overcome all of these there is still the world the flesh and the devil we we have to contend with in order to read our bibles well and to draw near to the god who reveals himself there and sometimes we are not too unlike the sadducees in our text for this morning Looking at Matthew 22, verses 23 to 33, there's an encounter here between Jesus and the Sadducees. And, well, let's read it. Matthew 22, beginning in verse 23. The same day, Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children... His brother must marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and having no children, left his wife to his brother. So to the second and third, down to the seventh. After them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife shall she be? For they all had her. But Jesus answered them, You are wrong, because you know neither the scriptures 
nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He's not God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. Well, as we've been doing on these mornings, I want to make three observations about reading our Bible as we look at the life of Jesus here and his encounter with the Sadducees. And then give us a couple of applications that hopefully encourage us in the, in the reading of our Bible. The first observation is really a, a negative one. It's how not to read your Bible. Do not read your Bible like the Sadducees. Notice what Jesus says to them in verse 29. You are wrong because you neither know, you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Sometimes the Bible ought to put words in parentheses like ouch, right? Here these guys are. They are reading the Bible for the purpose of tempting Jesus. They are guilty of that kind of reading that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 8.1, I believe it is. That knowledge which puffs up. Maybe you're like me as a young Christian or maybe you know someone like me, a young Christian who, who began to discover some things in the Bible and, and then discovered that he knew one or two things that some other Christians didn't know. And rather than be humble and thankful for God that he'd seen something in the Bible, his head got about that big. He could barely walk into a room. And whenever the discussion of the Bible came up, well, he was sort of thinking about the scripture like trivia pursuit. He was sort of thinking about the scripture as opportunity to, to sort of point up what maybe other people didn't know. He was just full of pride and completely missing the point of the scripture. And that's what's going on with these Sadducees. They have, they have read Moses. They have read the law. They're quoting here from Deuteronomy 25, verse 25, where, where Moses in that section gives the, the, the sort of law concerning the Leverite marriage, the kinsman redeemer. They are handling things more precious than they know. For that very passage of scripture gives us one of the themes that points forward to Jesus Christ himself, who is our kinsman redeemer. And they have turned it into a game of trivia pursuit. They have turned it into a little challenge to try and trip Jesus up. They're talking about one of the most profound demonstrations of God's power, the ability to raise the dead to life. And they don't believe it. They don't believe it. They don't believe it. Let us always beware of reading the Bible with an unbelieving heart. Let us always beware of reading the Bible in order to puff ourselves up with mere knowledge. Don't read the Bible that way. And, and, and let us, when we see something in the Bible that's fresh and new to us, oh, let us fall on bended knee and give thanks to God for his spirit who has shown it to us. So the first thing to observe is we don't want to read our Bibles like the Sadducees. But now, how did Jesus read the Bible in this passage? Notice, Jesus suggests we should read our Bibles as a present tense personal address. 
as a present tense personal address. You, you see what our Lord says there in verse 29, reading down to verse 30. It says, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? Then verse 32. I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. This is a striking passage here, really. Notice back up in verse 24. When the, when the Sadducees look to tempt Jesus, they, they quote from Deuteronomy 25 and they say this, Teacher, Moses said. Notice what Jesus says in verse 31 or verse 30. Have you not read what was said to you by God? And then he quotes from Deuteronomy 3, 6. Well, think about that for a moment. Here these men are reading the writings of Moses as if perhaps they were merely the writings of Moses, if they were merely or only the writings of another man. Great man, prophet, one of the greatest prophets in the history of Israel, but, but, but they were thinking Moses puts his pants legs on one leg at a time just like us. And they quote Moses, verse 24, but then down to verse 31, Jesus says those same words written by Moses were, were words spoken by God to the Sadducees centuries later. This is not merely Moses' words. These are not merely the words of, a, of another man, but, but carrying Moses along is the, is the Holy Spirit who is inspiring him to, to speak, to, to, to breathe out, to write down the very words of God. And those gods, those words are not addressed only to Moses or only to Moses' time. They are addressed even to the Sadducees centuries later. And beloved, they are addressed to us. The Bible has your name on it. It is written to you and for you. We've just moved into our new home in Washington, D.C., and our, our previous, our landlord uh, was the previous tenant. He owns the place and he's rented to us. And uh, probably, as is the case here, in the United States, if you move address, you can fill out this little card and give it to the post office and they change your mail so that mail that was coming to the old address gets forwarded. Well, we go to our mailbox and often check our mailbox and we get kind of excited because there are like 20 pieces of mail in there. And we think, whoa, people have found us and written us things and, you know, what good stuff is here? And, and we pull out the mail and the first 18 pieces has his name on it. <laughs> and so we set it aside. But the two pieces with our name on it, we eagerly open the envelope, read what's in it, Enjoy hearing from friends. Mourn over the bill that's come. It's ours to delight in, to open, to consider, to cherish. This, this book is not just written to ancient Israelites. It's not just written to the Sadducees of Jesus' day. This is express mail from heaven. With your and our, my names on it. 
And so when, when Jesus says here, have you not read what was said to you by God? It invites us to read the Bible as a personal address from God. And this means something else, beloved. One of the things we have to learn in reading our Bible and, and understanding our Bible is, is just some good interpretation skills, right? So we've got to sort of understand the context and we have to know what the original author intended by what he said. And, and that requires us sometimes to be a little bit of an investigative historian. We have to sort of, you know, do a little reading and some commentaries or, or read a good article about a passage. That, that, that helps us to sort of understand the passage in its context before we bring it forward to our context. But fundamentally, it's not that we are trying to get ourselves back into some older time which is far from us. No, fundamentally, God is coming to us in the reading of the Bible to speak a present word to us about himself and about our life with him. And so we come to the Bible, if we come like Jesus, to receive it as a present tense personal address. Let me suggest a third thing. Jesus suggests we should read our Bibles then as a conversation with the living God. We should read our Bibles as a conversation with the living God. Notice again, he says there, what was said to you by God, not by Moses. Then consider the master's quote of, of Exodus 3 verse 6. It says it proves that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. He says to Moses there in Exodus 3, verse 6, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God lives and he speaks. Reminds me of a title, a good title by Francis Schaeffer some years back. He is there and he is not silent. God is there, beloved. And he is alive. And he is not silent. And he's speaking to us. Psalm 19 says, by, by the very creation itself, the heavens declare his glory. Right? But he speaks to us most clearly and, and most often and, and most reliably in his holy word. He is not silent. If you ever wish to hear from God, all you need to do is open your Bible. Believe that he is there. Believe that he does speak. Believe, as the writer of Hebrews says, that he, he, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Seek him in his word and believe that, that you will hear from him. So we're not fundamentally just engaging with Matthew as a human author or Moses as a human author. And this is where so much liberal theological scholarship goes wrong. They're always on this quest to figure out what did Matthew really mean and what was Matthew's community really like and, and did Jesus really say this thing that Matthew or Mark or Luke or John said? Or, or is there some book within the book of Exodus, one attributed to Yahweh and one attributed to Elohim and, and these sort of different traditions being merged together, that kind of criticism, form criticism? Oh, just blow that mess away. Blow that mess away. For what we have here are the very words of God sent from heaven, addressed to us, inviting us into a living conversation with him. 
that we might walk with him and commune with him, that we might know him even as we are known, and that we might treasure him as the pearl of great price, and and that we might draw so close to him that we would become more and more like him. There's so many religious doubters in the world who have made their trade and their craft to teach others to doubt. But God would never have us doubt him. He would never have us doubt his word. He would have us as the Thessalonians, as Paul says of them, to receive his word for what it really is, the word of God. To talk with him and to meet with him. I don't know about you, but I also have the habit of talking to myself sometimes. Every once in a while, someone will walk in on me and catch me. You know, my daughter will say, you talking to yourself again? And so maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes she walks in and she catches me talking. And to the human eye, there's no one there. But I'm talking to my Lord. And I know that he hears me. And I know that with Bible open, he speaks back. And isn't it a marvelous thing? You ever had this experience of, of reading your Bible and and feel like, I hear you, Lord. That was spoken right to me. That, that thing that you had read, maybe read 50 times before, it, it, just sort of, it just sort of comes right into your soul. You feel addressed. You feel spoken to. You, you know that, that God has, has just given you a word personally. What a marvelous thing that is, isn't it? What a great treasure that is. And oh, to have that and feel that every day. You, you know, this, this verse, verse 31, verse 32, it, it gives us the right to say, God said to me. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty conservative as a Christian, and, and honestly, there, there are some movements in Christianity that make me a little bit nervous. They, they're a little bit spooky to me. It's a little, a little bit carried away, and, and people seem in, in those traditions to think that God told them to do everything, to buy that jelly donut, to you know, uh, get twice to catch up with their fish and chips. I, you know, God just sort of told them everything, and you ask them, so well, how, how did God tell you that? Well, God just told me. I, I, that makes me a little bit nervous. But on the authority of verses 31 and 32, God has said to you, in verse 32, he's a living God speaking to us. I can say with confidence, God told me whenever I read my Bible. God told me. And that's the difference between how Jesus speaks and the Sadducees speak here, isn't it? The Sadducees say, Moses said. And Jesus says, have you not heard when God said? When God said? And what confidence we draw from that when we're able to speak of our Bible reading as God said to me, God spoke to me, God God conversed with me and I with him. And, And we go out of our parlor, we go out of our living rooms or our dining rooms, wherever we have our quiet times, into the day full of confidence that our God has spoken to us a word from heaven that day, a word for us, personally addressed to us, and and that we may at any time in that day go back to him and talk again and speak again. And enjoy him and hear him sing with delight over us, as Zephaniah 317 puts it. Oh, but beloved, Bible reading is a marvelous thing. 
It is a wonderful thing that God has given us. Our reading is God speaking. Our reading of the Bible is God speaking to us through the Bible. So there are a couple things that I have to sort of work on in order to hold these realities. Because if you're like me, these realities, they're, they're kind of misty. You know, you can, you walk through these realities and you feel the wet mist on your face or your hair, but, but then when it gets a little warmer, they, they, you forget you were ever in the mist. And you, you ever tried to hug a mist? You can't quite do it, right? And in this veiled fleshly reality, these truths are, are somewhat misty sometimes. And so we have to work to hold these things in view, to, to keep our hands on them, to, to continue to feel the fresh mist of God's truth. So two things I have to do. I have to keep reminding myself that God is alive and he's talking to me. That's something I have to consciously do. I, I, don't, I don't wake up thinking that. I don't go through my day naturally thinking that. That's part of our fallen condition, I think, is that we are prone to forget the greatest and most tremendous realities in existence. And and so I need a system of reminding myself that, whether it's writing in the front of my Bible, my God speaks to me here. Or or, or whether it's finding some other way of, of, of praying this truth before I open the Bible, before I come to the Bible, or, or whether it's having others remind me of that, perhaps people in your small group or um, Christian friends that you've studied the Bible with over the years, just compacting together to remind each other of what's really happening here. When we come to this Bible, we're not coming to some cold, lifeless book. We're meeting with our God who speaks to us. You know, my, my mind grows dull. My heart grows cold and I have to pray and seek God for the warming embers of fresh personal revival. And and, and one of the things I find myself doing sometimes is is, is kind of reading the Bible and I don't set out to think this way, but to think that God is, is speaking kind of generally to no one in particular about things broadly. You know, so that the word is received formally as the word of God, but it's, it, it kind of lives up here somewhere. Right? It, it's kind of academic or abstract. And, and what verses 31 and 32 do when Jesus says to the Sadducees, have you not read God saying to you, is it brings it down out of the, out of the nether and it, it brings it right down into our hearts. It's not so abstract and broad in general. After all, it's personal and direct. And and I just need reminders and a system of reminding myself that that's what's happening when I come to the text of God's word. And so my encouragement to you would be to start a conspiracy. You know, find, find yourself two, three, five others. Again, could be your small group, could be your Sunday school class, could just be Christian friends that you speak with through the week. Um, Find yourself some co-conspirators to remind each other to read the Bible and to read it as a personal present tense address from God to you. Yeah. 
Second thing, I need to speak more often, as I said before, of my Bible reading as God talking to me, God speaking to me. Again, I mentioned this before. I'll I'll just sort of say it again a little bit differently. I, I tend to say that the Bible says or God says. Or excuse me, or, or, or Paul says, or the human author. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because I, I believe that God is speaking through Paul. I believe that God is speaking through the Bible. And sometimes I say the Bible says, because I want the, the person whom I'm talking to to know that I believe in the trustworthiness of the Bible. I believe in the authority of the Bible, the inspiration of the Bible, the sufficiency of the Bible. And, and I want them to know I attach that kind of credibility to the written word of God. So there's a place for saying that. I'm not knocking that whatsoever. But for my own soul's sake, I, I need to cultivate the, the tendency to also say, God says, God said to me. I, I need to do that especially when I'm feeling as if the, that, that's a little bit, well, wacky. <laughs> when, I, when I'm tempted to draw back from this belief that God speaks. When I'm, when I'm maybe facing a little fear of man or facing a little embarrassment with someone who maybe doesn't believe that, and, and, and for my own safety's sake, and, and in my own cowardice, I'm, I'm tempted to just sort of pull back and say, well, you know, the Bible says, or Paul says. You know, those are the times very often when I need to lean into this truth, when I need to stake a little bit of my reputation on it, when I need to risk looking a little bit foolish to someone who's not yet believing and say, God says, And then I can explain, he says it in the Bible, or he said it through the Apostle Paul, or through the prophet Moses, but but to make no mistake about it, that it's God speaking here, and he's speaking to me, and and to do that remembering that if I'm ashamed of him on earth, he'll be ashamed of me before his Father in heaven. And, and, I, and I want to make an abundant entrance into the kingdom of God. I want to, I want to enter into that splendor with confidence. And, and I want to enter into that splendor proclaiming that I am his and he is mine. And, and maybe one small declaration, one planting of the flag, one, one, one sort of small revolutionary moment comes. When we can say after reading our Bibles, God said to me. God spoke to me. I talked with God this morning and he spoke back. And when we can do that facing the the ridicule and the scorn and the unbelief of others, we can do that facing the, the prospect of losing a little of our reputation or being thought a little bit less of because we believe in this Christ and this God whom we cannot see but who does live and who raises the dead. And if he raises the dead, beloved, most surely he can speak to us. And if he's going to raise us from the dead, then certainly we should speak of him. Even when it's speaking of him, speaking to us. So I just want to find ways to remind myself that God is alive and he's talking to me in the Bible. And I want to find ways of Declaring that that little truth, simple ways in my own speech of declaring that little truth by saying God spoke to me. God 
talked with me and living as though it's true because it is. Can I leave you with one final thought? It is interesting to me that this whole debate in verses 23 to 33 has to do with the resurrection. There is coming a day when God will speak to us not through his word but face to face. When we shall sit with our Lord in his kingdom and he will drink with us again. He will sup with us and we will behold him as he were both a lion and a lamb. We will behold him both slain, bearing the marks of his, his crucifixion, but also resurrected in, in glory and in power. It's coming a day when we shall be with him and all of heaven will tremble at the sound of his voice like mighty rushing waters. We will hear his voice and his voice will be life to us. We'll no longer be like Adam and Eve in the garden hiding in the cool of the day at the sound of the Lord walking through the garden. But, but then on that day, his voice will sound to us like a dinner bell summoning us to the feast. His voice will sound to us an invitation, the sweetest most melodious voice we will have ever heard and we will never tire of hearing the rich golden pipes of his voice of looking into his face and saying say it again speak to me again oh I hear you and with eyes of faith I no longer of faith but of sight glorified sight I see you I behold you in sight and with ear and it will be the most satisfying, the most pleasing, the most glorious, unending, ever expanding, never diminishing pleasure and joy in all of existence. For we are straining with our ear against this page in anticipation of the day when we will strain no more but we'll talk with our Lord face to face. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we speak to you now in the feeble words of prayer. We speak to you in faith and in belief and in hope of the resurrection. We speak to you through the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and in the power of your Spirit, which lives in us. We speak to you. And we ask this one thing this morning. That you would give us ears to hear you speaking to us. As we come to your word and, and as we look for your face in your word, O oh Lord, let, our, let us see you with our ears. Let us hear of your mighty works of creation, of your mighty acts of redemption, of your unceasing and, oh Lord, glorious love. Let us hear again afresh of your cross and of your resurrection. And let it be to us a present tense address. Let it be to us a personal letter. And let our hearts open wide 
to receive all that you have, to hear from you, to believe upon you, and to love you more deeply each time we open your word. Oh Lord, we pray with the prophet of old, speak for your servant listens. Speak, O oh Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.